Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Work For It podcast on the Makery Network. I'm Brian House. And I'm Ben Butler. And together we represent the two most important components of the maker world. I work the steel. And I work the wood. The show's primary focus is business in the workshop. And then we reach out to you on social media with a question every week. We read your answers and then discuss them on the show. Follow our show on any major podcast platform and on Instagram at workforit.podcast. Or you can support us for as little as $1 a month on patreon.com forward slash workforit. Let's get on with the show. What I have always done, which is hit the record button and not ask either of you. That's right. I said either of you, whether you're ready or not. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Work For It podcast. We are thinking about changing the name of the podcast to the Triple B Menage a Trois because we have three Bs. We've got Brian with an I, the correct spelling. And Brian hey, with no. a Y now, Brian Carlson. <laughs> and we Brian also Wire. have Benjamin Butler Woo. coming live at five. That's right. We are right here <laughs> on the Makery Network and we are rocking your eardrums. We are full of good energy. Yeah. Because it is the dog days of summer. How you boys doing? It's work for it Wednesday, ben. baby. Work for it Wednesday, yeah, man, even though great. this comes out on Thursday, but you know it is Wednesday yeah. when we record. We've got um, we've got five B's by my count. I've got three in my name alone. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> true. But I'm doing Absolutely, good. Man. How are you, Mr. Brian Cohn? I'm doing great. So. I mean, I haven't been getting a whole lot of work in the shop done just because, like Brian House said, it is crazy hot. It's the dog days of summer, practically. Yeah. Um, so I've been getting up early, trying to get in a couple hours, and then once it hits 80 degrees, 85 degrees, that's all I can do, and I have to go inside. So, so some, I, of, some of our audience may not know who you are, Brian. So yeah, I would like you to give us a quick synopsis 
about yourself because I think some of the audience has heard you and heard us mention you and you've come live with us a couple of times, but I want to kind of real quick give a primer as to the situation we're in. We're switching gears with the Work For It podcast because the show has grown significantly. We have a large viewer or listenership, I should say, and we now have enlisted Brian to kind of come in and produce the show. As perfect as I am, I'm really not able to do all of the things, you know, like, you know, I don't have eight arms, but Brian has joined the team to you know, basically monitor the comments section while we do live streams and then also, you know, create other content and sort of steer the conversation a little bit. So, but I wanted you, Brian, to just kind of give us a real quick, you know, your elevator pitch of who you are and why you wanted to come on the Work For It podcast crew. Yeah, guys. So I'm Brian Cohn, um, B Cone Knives. Go ahead and check out my Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages. Um, He's I've plugging shit already, up. Ben. Look at him. He's hey, plugging hey, shit <laughs> already. He's hang out hang up. You gotta play that game. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, go on, Brian. I promise I won't interrupt you again. Oh, no, I yeah, so I am just a small knife maker. Um, I literally have my shop is only 8 foot by 16 foot, so I've, I've got a really small condensed space, and I've only been at it for a couple years, so... Um, I'm just a newcomer to the, you know, knife making community and I'm loving the, you know, out outpour of greatness that you guys always give and how, you know, you guys always try to help as much as you possibly can. But anyway, so with this, I am joining this, you know, podcast just to jo- basically give a helping hand, try to make it so that, you know, this conversation can be nice and smooth and, you know, just pepper in nice little, you know, tidbits of conversation where I can. And, you know, try to let you guys have a great conversation. So here I am, and I'm at your service, my guys. I love it. Love I love, love it. it. Yeah, the, the one of the things I think uh, we were struggling with with the live streams was not having that extra set of hands. Ben totally. and I volleying the conversation back and forth. It was really tough. So now we've got Brian Cohn, and he's able to, you know, kind of just step in and be our be our eyes and ears while we're, you know, bullshitting. And then also he's going to be integrating his concepts into the Work For it podcast. The other little kind of little thing I thought about with employing Brian was he is the epitome of what we all were when we first started. No he's got high work ethic, real good work ethic. He's got a lot of drive. He's getting started. He's literally me 15 years ago, you know, yeah. uh, clamoring, working, climbing the ladder, trying to do things. And now we're kind of spanned all across. If you think about it, like I'm more the advanced guy. I've got like the, you know, I'm doing mm-hmm. things full time. I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. Uh, we have Ben who's doing the side hustle gig. He's, you know, content creator. He's creating things on the at night and working hard. And then we've got Brian, who's also the side hustle guy that wants to turn it into a full time gig. And he's just getting started. So we now have this beautiful sort of mix, a blend of like, you know, all different layers of makers who are, you know, pushing towards the same goal, which is to work hard and work for yourself. So um, I love that. I love that you're with us, Brian. You're like you're when I said that on the podcast last week about employing a third person, bringing someone on. I got like 20 DMs and texts and, and everything. And I'm sorry if I haven't responded to everyone. I got so many people who wanted no to jump brainer. in. 
And so you're saying I'm replaceable? Already picked Brian. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is what everybody's I do. I replaceable. A, I leave a layer of possibility of always <laughs> being replaced with anybody that em, that I employ. I always just tell them, like, look, there's a hundred people that want your job. Always remember that every morning when you wake up and you come to work for me. Remember, somebody else will take your job. No, I don't. I don't like the fear-based stuff. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, when I had mentioned all that stuff, by the way, I had always thought like I had had you in my mind, Brian. So it wasn't like I, sure. I just didn't know if your schedule was going to work out or whatever. So that was yep. the that was the other thing why I mentioned it. Well, it's so. great to be here, man. I really it's appreciate good to have you. Have you. And th- and that's you're right, Brian. That like that a scheduling piece, folks. Folks that don't podcast probably don't quite realize but i've well i ran a podcast before this and a couple years ago and and have talked to quite a few folks as well about pot you know who are trying to put together podcasts and scheduling murders more podcasts i think than any other reason it number one folks don't don't quite comprehend what it means to produce a podcast when they jump into it and then number two, it's like, holy shit, we got to do this every week, like every week, every week. Like, yeah, it's hard to carve week. out two hours, isn't it? it I mean, really it's is. really tough. Oh. Yeah, it's but, tough because we do a pre-show and an after-show, and we're always BSing and stuff. Yeah. And sometimes I've got a hard out. Sometimes you've got a hard out, mm-hmm. and then now we're adding a third layer by having a third person. So it becomes kind of a yeah. hey. We do it every Wednesday at three o'clock, and that's we've been you know trying to stick to that because yep. it makes it easy for you to plan your week. And we moved around, but, you know, we landed back to the original. I think this time slot, I think, was set way back when uh, when I first was on the show the first time yes. <laughs> for, the, for an interview. Yep. So yep. we've been rolling and, with it. And I really feel like with everything online now, consistency is so key. If people know, like, yep. for instance, with this, we know Wednesday at 3, you've got to have your schedule cleared. Well, when you're posting things, if you if you post things at the same time every week or every other week or whatever your frequency is, people then realize that that's the time it's going to be there. So they start expecting it. So do computers and and people don't think about that. Right. So does the algorithm that everybody's Mm -hmm. trying to game. Right. And um, when I first started my Instagram feed, I I attribute that uh, consistency almost 100 percent to my growth rate early on, I would literally wait until 12 o'clock noon on the nose. I mean, to the second when it's, you know, the stroke of noon, I would hit, hit post on my posts. And I did that for a year straight, you know, every day at noon. Boom. And do you think that that timing of like releasing something, is that as important now? Or is it just like you have to do it once a day or something? I think it's, I think it, maybe not, well, I think it is. And and here's part of the reason why. Uh, Number one, you want to hit, you want to hit Instagram uh, at the time when people are going to be looking at their phones, right? Because everybody's, everybody's feed um, is always sort of evolving, right? And so if you post something at say four o'clock in the morning, but but Joe Bag of Donuts doesn't pick up his iPhone and go to Instagram until nine o'clock at night, he may not ever see your post, right? It gets buried in the feed by the time Joe gets to 
you know, checking out Instagram. And so what I would always try to do, noon was pretty good. 10 a.m. is what I eventually settled on in the mountain time zone. And the reason I went 10 a.m. is I was hitting noon on the East Coast, right? So New York City, all the big cities in the East would be on lunch break or just going to lunch break. Uh, you move back a time zone to central time, you're at 11. Here in mountain time, you're at about 10 o'clock, a, a mid-morning break for people, right? And then if you look on the West Coast, they're maybe just getting up and just getting going, you know, 9 a.m. And then for folks in Alaska, it's 8 a.m., but, I don't, you know, I don't really so see noon, a boost. So noon there. Eastern Standard That's, is kind of what where you're thinking is – is yep. a, is kind of the sweet spot. Now, if you had to pick a secondary uh, mm. time frame, would you say it's more like the four to five o'clock Eastern time, like where I, people are just getting off of work, or with my still- feed, I haven't seen. I I have not had much luck uh, past about one o'clock in the afternoon. So, okay. if I if I have my choice, it would either be like 7 7 to 7:30 a.m. eastern time or noon eastern time. And in fact, 3 years so ago 7:30 in the morning. Yeah, cuz people a, are getting eastern. up, right? Okay. And they're so, looking at their phones in bed yeah, typically. That's okay. Yeah. I, mean, I I see where you're going with this. They okay. roll the wife over and then look at the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Get off of me. I got to look at Instagram. <laughs> Benjamin Butler usually posts something right about this time. I know he's going to post. He's going to post one of those high-speed videos of him making one of them table saw jigs. It's going to be awesome. In fact, three years ago, if I I didn't have a post up by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time, I just would not post that day. So every day. Are you saying every day? Every day. Yep. Jeez. All right. Every day. And Man, and what sucks about Instagram, right? Like YouTube, you can schedule posts, right? You can schedule a video to go live and right. Twitter, you can schedule um, most other apps you can schedule. And there are some tools out there that will allow you to schedule an, Insta, uh, an, like, an like IG Hootsuite. post. Hootsuite. Like Hootsuite, yeah. will let you. Yep. But I've never, I've never used those all that much. I try, I I tried Hootsuite for a little bit, um, but I don't know. There doesn't. I'm not seem... a big fan of Hootsuite. I I didn't like all the yeah. the the um. They put like their watermark on everything, right. and and I just it annoyed me. And I just thought it's yeah. got to be a better way. So I just do everything by hand. Yeah. So me too. I mean, I just I and and I do it as it strikes me. But I think now I'm going to think more about the strategy. And let me tell you why is because yesterday I went social media crazy. I don't know if you saw, <laughs> but I had a I put up a dance video that I did on um, TikTok because uh. I have lost all dignity. And I have I, I realized that there's no way that I'm going to ever trend on TikTok. Let, let me step back a bit. Because yeah. here's the reason why I started looking at TikTok harder. I went to Blade Show last week. Let's just get this out of the way. If you've noticed yeah. a difference in my demeanor, that I seem a little Walking bit more energized, taller. 100% related to my weekend at Blade. And there's so many great stories. Oh, my God, dude. And and, and I, the whole time I'm there, I keep thinking, like, I want to do more social media while I'm here or whatever. I was so overwhelmed. And not only that, I was in deep conversation 
almost the entire three days I was oh, there. Nice. You know, I'm I'm connecting with all of these. I couldn't go ten feet without somebody grabbing me, going Brian House, holy shit! And never in my life have I been recognized so many times. And then you know, I felt my head getting swollen. You know, I was like dragging <laughs> it out the door, basically. <laughs> Uh, on the way out, because I had so many people come up and tell me that the work that we are doing, not only on this podcast, but in, on YouTube. And it was crazy because I would walk up to tables and I, you know, I don't know the person, you know, selling the knives and I'm looking through their knives. And, and then I'll just hear, I love your YouTube videos. You know, <laughs> that, and I'd be like, whoa, you, you watch my YouTube? And they're like, yeah. And like, you know, and then it's this long conversation and we're talking business. We're talking knives and steel and handle material. Long story short, I had an awesome time, so I, I feel fantastic about it. The one thing I didn't do, though, was post a ton on social media. And I felt like I wanted to, but there just simply was no time. So, like, next year, it's almost like I have to bring somebody with me. Like, maybe Dexter yeah. wants to do it or something, and, and we'll kind of, hey like, yeah. That, do that that sounds like something that I should be doing. I'm I'm kind of trying to help with this podcast. Maybe I need to there help you with go. your social media Blade Show, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we because go. While I'm at Blade Show, I'm getting text messages from Jeff Fader going, hey, call into Knife Talk. Call I heard you Talk. on the on yeah, the show, yeah. So I'm standing, like, waiting to talk to uh, Jason Knight, and I'm like, oh, man, this would be perfect. Unfortunately, the timing didn't work out where I could get Jason on Knife Talk. But um, yeah. so, I, you know, th- what happens is, is like, there, it's just basically a big room filled with booths and tables, and, you know, guys like Jason Knight, Neil Kamamura, um, all the guys, all the judges from Forge and Fire, except for Doug. Um, Doug wasn't there. They're just wandering around. I mean, they're they just literally any, um, just out there. Do they have any like classes or anything? Yes, it's not like- yes, okay. yes. There's there's so definitely classes. They're like twenty five bucks a pop. Um, I only okay. took one because I just wanted to spend more time, you know, just out and about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I also went and listened to a, a really great conversation, a really great presentation by Ernest uh, Emerson who of Emerson Knives. And I'll tell that story another time. There's so much to talk about, by the way, with Blade. Yeah. And I don't want to like know, make this um, Blade 101 or whatever, but I had a great time. In sort of the broad maker space and um, more, I guess, woodworking than anything, but there, there are a few folks who have sort of made a name for themselves going to these trade shows and sort of uh, covering them in a way. Um, a guy, Ethan Abram, is it Ethan Abramson comes to mind. He's uh, the build with Ethan on IG and he's kind of a quirky guy. Um, uh, he, um, but he traditionally has gone to like if Milwaukee has like Milwaukee tool has a big event every year where they launch new tools. Right. And so they'll specifically invite um, social media folks, just guys like us will get invites and Milwaukee will fly them out to their facility. Right. And, They'll do all these tool demos and everything else. And the idea is that these people will promote what's going on at that event, you know, and whether it's a conference like World of Concrete or uh, I don't remember sure. some of the others, but these guys will just go on their own dime. Some of them, some of them go, you know, paid for by a specific tool company or something like that. Uh, but they're, their goal is basically to cover the show, you know, and they'll walk up and, hey, what you got here? And. You know, oftentimes they'll have an assistant who's like the camera dude. 
which seems really funny when the camera dude's operating an iPhone, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, there <laughs> but, was a lot uh, of that at Blade where there was just was teams of people wandering around doing interviews and yeah. creating content for I'm not sure what, you know, if they're, yeah. uh, you know, Who knows? YouTube or whatever. But, I mean, it was just overwhelming the entire time and and then so getting back to what i was saying about you know here's basically what you were saying was is i you know i ran into chad over a man crafting man I don't know crafting you know. that's so awesome i <laughs> so love it i'm so this is this place he's is freaking everywhere huge. There's a, there's he's there's everywhere. like ten, he is everywhere so there's I like love it. It, there's ten thousand people in this cob galleria i come out of the bathroom and i'm walking and There's I see man the man crafting shirt. <laughs> Chad's wearing his own shirt. I'm wearing my own shirt. I've got the housemate I was housemate just crafting shirt. some men in that other room there. So, Funny so I walk up behind. <laughs> I walk up behind Chad. Now, Chad and I have never met, like personally met, but right. um, we, you know, we talk all the time on instant or on uh, uh-huh. on DMs. So I walk up behind him. And I go. Hey, look! It's Chad from Mancrafting. He like immediately turns around and he's like, "Holy shit! Oh my god!" Like we're, you know, we ended up spending the entire morning together because Chad nice. and Chad followed me to into the talk with uh, Ernest Emerson. So we listened to him do his thing, and then we just BSed and we were just crossing paths the whole time. But he what was funny like about it is guy. he had a freaking media tag on. Oh, right? there you go. So, so you got a press he, pass. I, yeah, he had a press pass. So I look at him and I go, well, how'd you get that? He goes, on social media. What are you talking about? Of course I get a press pass. He's like, why don't you have one? I'm like, I guess I'm not smart enough to get one. I don't what know. Did I didn't get even know I would did be. It, did it well, get any I th- perks? Yeah, I don't know if there's perks. We didn't really talk about that, but uh, yeah. I assume because he had, like, I think he had VIP access. Like he could get into anywhere basically okay. in the entire show. So Cheaper tickets? Or- yeah, and he's doing social media the whole time we're there. Yeah. He tells me about TikTok. He's like, dude, you got to get on TikTok. He's, He's like slaying it on TikTok. Slaying it. Slaying yes. it on TikTok. Like his last TikTok has like 300,000 views. Yes. Like crazy, Holy crazy cow. stuff. He like He's crushing it. it. I heard so that six He told ago. Sarah this. He's like telling Sarah like, hey, you got to get Brian on TikTok. He'll kill it. So then I'm like, all right. So now he's going to be my TikTok consultant because nice. I'm, I can't figure it out. So yesterday I decided, like, I'm going freaking nuts with this social media stuff. And I'm going to produce, like, a TikTok that's going to go viral. And I do this, like, triple man dance thing and Big <laughs> yep. Brian and the twins. I'm doing this whole thing. You would not believe. I got, Of course, TikTok, it didn't do very well. I don't know, a couple hundred views on TikTok. But I posted it everywhere else. And, of course, everywhere else I posted it. Now I'm getting, I cannot get away from that thing. People are FaceTiming me going, stop it. Don't do that anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Like just telling me like, you're a moron. Meanwhile, I know they all think it's funny and they all. So, so basically what I did was I pulled a, you know, any media is good media situation. Yep. And, uh, and I'm planning on doing more of that. essence of TikTok, I think. I think you're right. I can jump in here for a minute. Absolutely. Um, So I've, I've been trying to do a little bit more TikTok. Um, so I did a couple videos in a row because it seems like TikTok, whenever a knife-shaped object shows up on screen, it gets completely suppressed. Um, Interesting. So I I did like three videos trying to do like a test where one, uh, you know, I don't say the word knife at all. I actually call it like a sharp thing or whatever. And I like try to, you know, wink my way through, you know, ah. obviously I'm talking about knives. The next one, I still say sharp thing, but then show a knife blank that I'm working on. 
and the third one i um say the word knife but nothing else like i i was actually working Uh on a cutting board and i say you know the word knife at the end just to see you know if any of them get suppressed and what's hilarious it backfired on me because the one that i actually showed the knife like the knife blank the knife shaped object I posted it a couple hours ago, and it's up over 5,000 views, which huh. everything else has maybe gotten a couple hundred views. So it's completely backfired on me. <laughs> so it goes I don't know more what the heck the happened voice. with the algorithm, but... Well, I wonder... I mean, I- image image recognition is a bit more difficult to do than voice recognition, right? Mm-hmm. So um, maybe maybe that's why, right? Maybe it's harder to say... Uh, uh, write an algorithm that can find a picture of a knife than it is to hear the word knife. But what's crazy, though, is that I've posted quite a few videos where I just show off a knife and I don't say anything at all. It's just music in the background. And yeah. th- when I put the knife on screen, the, like it's it just completely gets taken down or it gets no views. Huh. Interesting. That is mm. really yeah, curious. kind of squirrely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I I will say I I don't I'm not smart enough to understand any of it uh, at all. And in fact, I feel totally out of my element when I'm working with TikTok because it yes. definitely feels like it's designed for young people, and it yep. makes me feel super old. However, I had a hell of a fun time making that video of me dancing around on screen. Yeah, the video that. before it though was just the video that I had posted everywhere else with not not with TikTok in mind which was my packing video of me packing steel yep. and that got like a thousand views in the first 5 minutes like and and it did really well on Instagram as well so like yeah. I don't know you know maybe TikTok, there's just more to it than I know but TikTok seems to me um to be and it's a little bit more inflated but 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 that's kind of the way Instagram was 3 3 plus years ago you know, where um, things got a lot of views, you, you grew grew quickly, uh, there was definitely a, a, a game-based nature to it. You know, you could game, quote, game the system um, by trying to predict the algorithm, you know, with, with things like we're talking about now where, hey, it's blocking knife-shaped objects or, hey, it's blocking the word knife or whatever it is. Um, Instagram was that way early on when I, not, maybe not early in Instagram's lifespan, but my usage of it early three, three plus years ago, I have noticed, and I'm curious what you guys think about this, but I feel like I have noticed recently past two to three weeks, a definitive shift in Instagram to where my stuff is getting more views uh, I'm picking up some more followers, and uh, it seems to have gotten <laughs> out of the ditch, so to speak, you know. Whereas a month ago, it was just a fucking grind, and nothing was getting play on my feed. But now I'm starting to get some views, and that's even I, I with think, not being consistent. I think you're right, and I also think that if you mix in some reels, because the reels are doing... Yeah, I I posted a couple of reels and they blew the content away on the yeah. feed a lot. Like I posted I the the that. packing video and it got fifteen hundred views in like one minute. Like yeah. the first minute oh. it was up, so that was that was like huge. And then it just slowed off, tapered off. But then I've but here's what else I I've seen, and I, this could be completely 
unrelatable, but uh, YouTube has been the same way. I think yeah. from a social standpoint, from a socioeconomic standpoint, I think the last month and a half or two months has been people not looking at screens so much. I think they're getting yep. outside. I think COVID is kind of like summer is opening up, you know, up north and people are traveling. And with the amount of freaking Absolutely. people I saw at Blade, nobody was on their phones, man. I mean, it was great right. because people were wandering around uh, and talking to each other. <laughs> I think that yeah. they missed that. You know, they had Whereas no in social past, interaction. You, you yeah, and you're shaking phones. hands. Yeah, and you know I would I'm fully vaccinated now, so I didn't wear a mask anywhere I wasn't required to wear a mask. The entire room was mask free, other than a handful of people I saw, nice. you know, that were wearing masks, and I assumed that they maybe they were wearing masks because <clears throat> maybe they had been sick at one time or recently, yeah. and they just didn't want to get anyone else sick. But for the most part, I shook hands with everybody. We all went around and just pretended like COVID didn't exist. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I mean, obviously I don't know if I'm going to get sick or not, but I haven't yet. Uh, but yeah, I think that's part of the issue here is that people, I think globally people are just going, I, I got to get away from my electronics. However, yeah. this month sales are up. Um, social Good. media is up. Yeah. I did the Giotto challenge with all those guys on YouTube. So not, I've never had a knife making video do as Dude, well as it did. I was just going to tell you earlier. That was a phenomenal video. I, I really enjoyed that. Just seeing your whole process and stroke my balls some the more. The different man. tools. Keep going. Keep going. It really, honestly, I, I really enjoyed it. It, it reminded me of some of your uh, earlier stuff uh, uh, to an extent where it was just, you do such a good job of explaining things and simplifying things. And that process you have is a highly complex process, but. You know, I'm sure I, I still only understand about a tenth of it, but uh, I've got, you know, I've got the gist of it. And that was just really cool. It, oh, it I was, appreciate that. Thank it, you. Put it in perspective, honestly, like, like to be honest, it was kind of cool to see that process that you you undertake to make a knife. Because a lot of the, the discussions we have here on the show, it's like, oh, OK, perfect. Yeah. That's that's how it works. Oh, but cool. The visual. Yeah, because we have been talking about it for a long time. On yeah. The show. And yeah. this is the first challenge that these guys have put together. And we were all kind of not sure if it was going to yeah. you know, do anything. We didn't know. So when I was at Blade, I ran into one of the organizers. His name is Dennis Tyrell. He's going to come on the show. Uh, he's act actually the Art of Craftsmanship got the exclusive. So if you listen to the Art oh, of Craftsmanship, they're going to get punk. the exclusive on the winner of the, the Giotto Challenge. But if you don't listen to that, you can listen to us and we can talk about it. But there's going to be like an announcement of who who's winning yeah. or who won. But um, and And believe it or not, I'm not going to disclose much. But I am not in last place. Let's just say that I'm. Uh, I'm actually you know, not losing. I'm not winning, but I'm not losing completely. But uh, not to say that the people that are losing it has anything to do with it. But it's just, yeah. it was awesome. The the community that came out yeah. of that for me, I got a ton of subscribers from it. Um, uh, uh, Blackbeard uh, Projects subscribed to my channel, which, by the way gave me an enormous youtube boner i was just like i have been watching this guy on youtube forever and appreciating his work forever and then i see the little notification come up blackbeard projects has subscribed to your channel and i was like nice. 
It's what? like, dude, I'm not kidding. It was like meeting Elvis. You know what I mean? It How was like it? the coolest thing ever. So, um, and to be in the same like chat room space with him and like being able to bounce ideas and stuff off of him, it was just like, dude, it put me in a space where my heroes are other makers. You know, yeah. I'm not like a big. Like, if I ran into, like, Ryan Gosling or something, I'd just be like, I don't know. You know, like, I don't really care. You're right. I would um, recognize You know, Bruce Willis, eh, John Travolta, those are, you know, those guys, up, I'm up there. I'd, I'd probably, uh, you know, melt a little bit when I'm around those dudes. But, like, there's only yeah. a handful of people. But you put me in a room, like, we had Blade, where I'm meeting, like, you know, all the guys from Forge and Fire and, and Jason Knight and Neil Kamamura. These are the people that inspire me, which means way more to me than somebody who can act, if that makes right? sense. Yeah, so. no doubt. Yeah, there were some great, great videos in the mix there, you know, for all the folks on the on that knife challenge. I've watched them all and just really quality stuff all around. Just really neat. And uh, yeah, I've, I've wondered and I'll, I'll bring it up. Um, we We've talked a little bit around maybe hosting a challenge i know maybe it was in passing at one point but i think it'd be kind of a fun thing to do you know like a community-based challenge where um i think knife talk did um they did a knife build challenge at one point right um yeah oh yeah i was a part of that that's actually how i got uh, that's how i got plugged in with craig that's right and uh and art of craftsmanship folks right that's exactly right. Yeah. We, that's how we see how see how this works. Like you get a bunch of people and and on a challenge. That was even a that was a major broad challenge, by the way. Yeah, so that was like one of those that's challenges that didn't really have like a contestant type thing. Right. It was like you could just join along and like yeah. hashtag it, like a build along. Think about this from a perspective. Somebody picks this up. They say, "I'm going to do the work for it." Whatever challenge that we decide to do or or build along project. It connects people who are like-minded, you know, that yes, want to do exactly. the same kind of thing. And that's how I got plugged in. That's the reason why I'm sitting right here at doing this podcast. I wouldn't yep. be doing this otherwise. Well, the Modern Maker podcast does a challenge. Um, and it's sort of a community-based build-along type thing. But they also uh, – and it's really broad, right? Like they picked ply, like one sheet of plywood build or something like that. Um, but they also have, um, they pick a winner and they work with sponsors. I think they work with Rockler or something to get a pretty good sized prize donated. I think we could, we could pull something like that off maybe and host a challenge. And, um, I don't know. I, I'd hate to be a judge though. You know, that's one thing. Well, I you don't, that you, you remove that from yourself. So you just yeah. do like what we did with the Gyoto challenges. You create a, uh, a polling thing. And so let the audience oh, yeah. decide. There we go. That so d- we removes do that. us from any of that, that judging and stuff. Yeah. I absolutely. Well, so here's my question. Um, how, because we have this trifecta of, you know, woodworking and metalworking and now knife making, you know, how do we make it so that all three of those bases are covered? That's what I was wondering too, is that how do you, you you could, well, what about this? You could make it, um, you could make it like something for the kitchen or Mm. something for Mm. camping. Oh, I like this. um, Yeah. You pick like an activity or a space in which an activity takes place because I like that. I like that concept of like camping and I like, oh dude, that's like perfect because. 
That'd be cool. You know, yeah, you, like you could even if camping gadget. <laughs> yeah, you could say like, okay, you got to create something out of wood and metal that uh, is utilized in the kitchen or utilized yep. for camping. I love that concept because it, it's such a broad thing. And then everybody posts their pictures of it, and then they get a kind of a cool new mm-hmm. um, group of people working. It. We'll, we'll work this off off the air. We'll, yeah. we'll come up with something. I <laughs> love work it. On a sponsor I, th- I, and... I think we're on to something. Yeah, we you are on the sponsorship train I'll because I'm that. terrible at that. Uh, totally. and, oh, speaking of sponsors, by the way. Uh, the gloves that were shipped oh, to us. Oh, yes. Good uh, call. What, uh, firm on, grip. Let me grab it. Yeah, firm grip. So let me just tell you what I've been up to this week. So yes. th- uh, li- last week, right before I left for Blade, I offloaded uh, 100 grinder kits off of tube steel grinder kits off of my off of a semi uh, that came from my steel distributor, and I could not have done that without my firm grip gloves that was sent to us by firm they're grip sweet aren't they they're very cool um here's the downside to wearing these and this is more of a funny thing than anything is that the handle that the, the hand palm portion of it is black leather which i really yeah. like but you can't tell if you've got something really black on right. your hands right so <laughs> i'm sweating and i'm wiping my face <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay now if you can imagine oh, do you shoot. remember the wrestler the ultimate warrior. Oh, Remember yeah. when he wore, oh, like, and he had yeah. the stripes down his face? Uh, 100%. I look like that, but with just black, like, running nice. down the sides of my face afterwards and stuff. And Here's and, a uh, funny one for you. So, my, my nana, so we spent a lot of time at my nana's house, my grandma's house, growing up. Because we lived in the woods and went to school in town. Everything happened in town about 30 30 to 40 minutes. Uh, Did you hear banjos on the house. regular? Oh, totally. <laughs> you know, the end of the, we lived at the end of the dirt Run, Ben, run. Squeal run. like a pig, Ben. Make you squeal like, like a pig. A fucking pig. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll spare you my pig squeal, but. <laughs> um, but ben Nana. lost in the hills of Pennsylvania. <laughs> Nana and all we heard were banjos. Like, she was hardcore into wrestling for like a number wait, of years when I was a little wait, kid. Wait, your oh, grandma? Yeah. Your oh, grandmother? she knew them all. Hell yeah, she was totally <laughs> into it. Like before it was the WWE. We're talking WWF, WWF. years. Oh, yeah. yeah. WWF, okay. Hulk Hogan and the like. Yeah, oh, the Rowdy, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. And so I was the probably. golden years of wrestling. Yeah, I was probably, I don't know, 10 Somewhere between 10 to 14 years old. She eventually sort of grew out of the phase, but, you know, <laughs> early on, I mean, and, and thinking back on it, I don't know why, but this topic has come up like three times in the past month for Nana, <laughs> Nana like wrestling. But um, thinking back on it, of course she would, right? It, it's nothing but a fucking soap opera. <laughs> you <laughs> know? Right. It was all scripted. Yeah, you're yeah, right. You're absolutely and, right. And Nana was never. Nana was never the type to to hang out with the girls, right? She, she was hang out at the bar with the guys. She gotcha. was just one of the guys kind of sure. gal, you know? 
And uh, yeah, I can remember as a kid watching it with her. And, and of course, you know, she's your she's your Nana. So she says things like, you really you, you really think this is real? You think he really hit him there? <laughs> <laughs> you think they really break their backs when they do the back? Right. <laughs> that, well, I don't know, Nana. Real? Could be. Oh. Don't ruin it for Nana. Don't ruin it for Nana. Oh, it's funny. Good <laughs> yeah. memories. Gosh. So, so switching gears a little bit, I think yeah. uh, we ought to do the first and foremost uh, workshop update. Uh, yeah. All three of us are going to chime in on this, what we've got going on in our workshops this week. Uh, and I want to volley this over to Brian. Brian, what do you got going on in your workshop this week? So this weekend, um, I had a wedding, so I wasn't in the workshop hardly at all. So I just started um, a new batch of knives. It started out with five. Um, it's now four. <laughs> Uh-oh. So um, I, I had talked to you, Brian, a little bit about doing a super thin chef knife, just like you had. Well, when I heat treated it, it decided to fold in like a taco. So I had to throw that one yeah. out. But okay, this, so wait, go back. So you, so when you heat treated, because you got the what's what the, uh, was the thickness of the stock that you bought? <laughs> so it was like point oh three, which if I if I Ooh. my uh, math is right, that's one thirty second thin. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, and, and you're you're heat treating in a kiln or in a forge, in a forge. Kiln. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, okay. I had zero chance of success on that, but this hey, a, this why, is why a not great try? experiment. Yep, you now you're sure, sharing your failures. Fun. That's cool. Sure, of course. Um, so I ended up having to throw that one out earlier today, but um, so because I'm moving over to a, an apartment about an hour away, I started making a batch of knives or a set of knives for my kitchen. So. It was going to be that chef knife, a flay knife, and a paring knife. Well, now that chef knife is out, so I'm going to have to remake that. Um, And then I've got a couple other knives that I'm making for a couple customers. And um, I just finished the heat treating. I ground in the bevels this morning. So I woke up super early this morning, got out to the shop so that, you know, I could kind of beat the heat a little bit. So I put in about six hours before noon um, and... Um, ground in and basically made them nice and pretty and shiny and then now they're sitting in ferric chloride so they're etching down and uh tell me about the steel are you oh by the way i ran into your friends over at alabama damascus oh yeah very nice they were at they were at blade but what kind of steel were you uh using for this so this one i had a two different alabama damascus um so you know, really high-end, nice Damascus, great prices. They're just great people. And then I had two mono steel. At um, one was eighty CRV two, and the other one was ten seventy five, I believe. Which so. one was the point uh point oh three at this? What was which one was that? That was another eighty CRV. So yeah, yeah, that one thin. just yeah. absolutely tacoed on me. Yeah, you know, my so when I make my thin chef's knives and I go that thin because I go I go my spine is like point oh four. So it's thin, but I grind to that and I usually do that after heat treat. So like I'll I'll do like 60 percent of the flat grind and then, you know, get it kind of thin, like a sixteenth of an inch at the at the edge. And then I'll just finish the grind. A lot of those thin thin knives that i've done 
they would totally fail if I had to heat treat them at that thickness. And even with a kiln, I think I would get tons of warping. Although I will say, I think if it was an air cooled steel, like you could do it maybe with a two, probably definitely do it with a E B L cause you plate quench that. I still think though, you'd run into warping problems, but the, the benefit to starting with that thin of stock is, uh, you really just profile it and put an edge on it, you know, flat grind it up once. I mean, yeah. With all of my knives, I heat treat at full thickness to try to mitigate all of that warping problems. But even, I mean, point well, oh three, I, I had no yeah. chance of making that, you know, come yeah. out straight. Well, it's a fun can experiment. You, um, can you heat treat, and this is me being ignorant, but can you heat treat something thick and then thin it down to size? Yes. Yeah. And that's oh, what absolutely. We and that's do. what yeah. a lot of people do. And that's what I do for most gotcha. of my knives. But if you heat treat like a really thick blade, you're sitting at the grinder for hours yeah, trying to days, you know, right, hog yeah. off all that hardened material. Yeah, yeah. And that's the reason why, Ben, when you've seen some of my videos, I have that water misting system, and it's because you don't want the steel to get to a specific te- or higher than a specific temperature because you ruin your temper. So, like, once you get above gotcha. 300 or 350 degrees, depending on where your temper point is, you now ruined your edge retention. So you really want to watch that. That's why the, the misting system... Uh, that uh, we sell at housebay.us uh, yeah. is uh, very important because you can you can get there just by grinding right exactly you you're and you're i can second that i you can second that i actually picked one up and it is absolutely fan- i mean that's what i was on all day this morning so i mean it's it's a great system it's it's totally worth the uh couple bucks you throw at it yeah it, it's a game changer because i still dunk you know, I'm still like dunking every once in a while if I feel my hands get, but it's never where, ne- never anywhere near as the amount of dunking that I had to do before. So, and I always kind of thought like when I was, especially with like sharpening, I always felt like, oh, I'm really fucking this edge up because it's just too, you know, it's real thin at the edge. And with the misting system, I never even worry about it. I don't even burn my tips anymore. I used to burn my tips all the time, and I that see with occur. mine. I um, I, with my VFD, I turned it down between sixty and seventy. Uh, percent and also had my missing system so i didn't dunk once all day today no kidding mm. all right that's yeah. A good yeah i go full bore man i turn it up to 11 <laughs> i got and i always use a really really uh low grit belt because i want to hog off as much material as as possible a lot of people don't realize this oh, but yeah. when Come you're on. using a very uh high grit you think oh i'm going to use a high grit belt and it's going to create less friction actually it's the More. opposite Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're going to heat your steel up much quicker using a, a higher grit belt. So, that you know, sense. quick and dirty. That's my style. Yeah. yeah. Man, all this burning tits and dunking and quick and dirty. <laughs> I said tips, tips. This knife making's cool. Tips. <laughs> you got to get into it, Ben. I guess. I mean, he's got the second half coming up. Oh, it's true. What's that? You've got the second half coming up. You've got that handle to still work on. I if do. It's on my list of updates to give you guys. That's cool. Man, it feels like my shop's been just insanely busy. I I keep trying to make a list. You know, and my problem, maybe you guys have this too, but I'll have a list of shit that I need to get done, right? Like a list of projects in the shop. But maybe I'll come out and the shop needs a, a quick cleanup before I start. That's kind of my routine. Uh, almost 
every single day, every single session, I guess you'd call it, I start by doing a cleanup. This seems, I don't know, it's just the way it works. Uh, come out, clean a few things up. And somehow that dives me down rabbit holes, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden there's five new things on the list. Um, I have been, well, with a small shop, I've been I've been desperately trying to, to organize. And I've not been thrilled with my setup, with my layout of my tools and how accessible things are. And I, I have a dream, and I think... Uh, it's only really feasible in a larger shop, but my dream is that every tool that I need is ready to go when I need it, right? And in a small shop, it's just not possible because if you had them all set up, you wouldn't have room to walk through this place, right? So like my planer sits down on the floor and I got to pick it up and plug it in and set it up if I want to plane wood. My jointer you know, has been sitting out in the middle of the shop because I just didn't have a great place to put it. Um, my CNC, when I got it, it was such a crazy shit show trying to get that thing off of the pallet that I ended up building the cart for it about six inches too tall. So it was kind of up at chest height. <laughs> so I've been tackling massive shop organization projects and I finally am starting to be happy with how the setup is now I ended up sliding my joiner I, I cleaned out underneath I have workbenches all you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need Viator Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen. On sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Along one wall, it sticks out about three foot from the wall. And it's sort of just a, a, a little bit of a work surface over there. And so... so Oh, with ahead. your with your um organization here, are you like inspired by Adam Savage's you know first order retrieval type situation? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I uh, I am not a fan of drawers. Uh, in fact, it's probably about six months ago now that I built my first drawers in my shop, and um, basically in those drawers I put 
uh, things that I very, very rarely needed to get to. So I have, um, I have three drawers that are full of like scrap leather and just leather work uh, stuff that I don't use very much. Uh, then I have several other drawers that are uh, sort of hand power tools that I don't use very often. Like I've got a handheld planer. Uh, I've got the restore tool that's a wire wheel type tool. I've got all those in drawers. But other than that, I've got a grand total of four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got ten drawers in my workshop. That's it. Everything else is hanging on the wall, out in the open, on a shelf, you know, very easy to get to. You can see it and grab it and go. Um, so that's maybe the other part of my shop organization that makes it hard to get a really good layout, right? Because uh, I need all that wall space to hold tools, basically, <laughs> Um but I cleared out underneath those workbenches, and now I can slide my jointer right under those workbenches. The jointer, it gets a fair amount of use in my shop. Uh, it's like the first step in every woodworking project is to joint and plane the boards. Um, but then it's done, right? Damn hippies away, with their right? joints. Jointing and jointing <laughs> shit. So I got that tucked away. I'm going to put my router table in my workbench. Uh, I recently put a new top on my workbench. We had a temporary top that I made for our kitchen island before I made the uh, official butcher block. And that was just out of some reclaimed ponderosa pine that we pulled out of our attic a couple of years ago when we did a, did a remodel. Let me ask so took, let me ask you something, Ben. So I, yeah. you know, one of the things I really like about your shop is sort of the feng shui if you will ah. like the like uh, you know the yeah. the theory of feng shui kind of like uh -huh. where you don't have anything blocking something off i mean obviously yep. because you have to tuck things under you uh -huh. obviously you know you have to pull things out or whatever but at the same time your shop has a really interesting sort of energy about it and you can tell it's worked in it's lived yeah. in you spend a lot of time there you know it's obvious when you see pictures and videos of your shop yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of shops out there that have this exact same scenario going on where they're, you know, they're worked in and, and lived in, yep. but they're just, it looks like somebody just picked up a tool, used it, dropped it on the floor. You know, it's yep. not, there's not a ton of organization. Yeah. How much of that, when you think about all the things that you're doing, you obviously put in a little bit of interior decorating into your, you know, I, well, I yeah. use that term loosely, but you know, no, I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you I think do. about that. I right? spend a lot of time doing that, to be honest, and and I I probably spend too much time doing that. Um, and that's those are the rabbit trails I I end up going down, right? Because you want it to look cool, right? I, I do. mean, that's, that's yeah. The thing. I want it to because be functional. I want it to look nice, but I also I want to feel creative when I walk in here. I love right. That. Yep, I'm and with you. Um, for me, the, the things that spark my creativity are objects that I see, right? And so um, I can't remember what show I was listening to the other night, what podcast, but they were 
remarking uh, about how some people can just look at an object and immediately have 10 uses for it, you know, or have a problem and think about some found object that they have. Like Laura Kampf is really good at this. If you've ever seen her videos, she takes found objects and turns them into something just amazingly useful and cool. Yeah. I love her channel. Um, yeah. I, 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 uh, I have that same kind of inspiration, I think, you know, where, um, when I see objects or if I have a problem in front of me, being able to sort of look around and see all the tools and pieces and parts and be like, oh, I could do this with that. You know, I can quickly see three or four steps ahead in the chess match, so to speak. Sure. And yeah. So I, I spend a lot of time on what I'd call like shop management, you know, and and this is going to sound total first world, but it that is part of a challenge when tool companies send me tools to try and and make comments about is it becomes a lot of work right just managing all the stuff that comes in um can be a lot of work right it's like oh here i am bitching you know complaining about getting free tools but, i know i wish i had um, a sound effect machine i'd play like a violin yeah. right now I'd be um, like, i have nowhere to put my new band so. yeah and I'm not. Where I certainly will I tuck am not. It into uh, my workshop. I'm not complaining about it, but I, but I will admit that it takes time. Yeah, and I think yeah, of course. I often don't. I don't often realize. I think how much time I spend on that. My wife's really good at reminding me. So, but half helpful. of that's the fun of it. Like, it I is. personally think that there's, you it's, know, you're actually working through sort of a manufacturing mindset. Yes when you start doing any one yep. thing and especially knife makers, because we're, we're repeating processes a lot, you know, running over batches and of over knives and over again, over yeah. and over. What can I See, do to I'm make this better? You know, that's mm -hmm. the, that's what I keep asking myself. It's like, what can I do to make this faster? Is there a tool yeah. that can remove some of the uh, manual labor? And if there mm -hmm. is, is the return on investment of that tool worth investing in? Yeah. And, and you know, all those things. And it was funny. And just because a quick hint. Just oh, a ahead. quick hint, it is always worth it. There is almost never a situation yeah. where it's it's not worth making your life easier. Yeah. I would say that too. That's as much time as I spend organizing and and you know thinking through, well, should I hang that shelf there or an inch lower? You know, <laughs> um, sometimes that one inch makes all the fucking difference in the world. You know, like my my shop bot, for example, I mentioned that when I by the time I built the cart, the wheels that I had that I felt like could support it were six inch tall casters. So, of course, well, what do you do? You throw them on there. That'll work. I'll make it work. But the fact that that thing sat at almost 42 or 45 inches off the ground, you know, like the actual bed of the CNC was up that high, it made it difficult to use. Uh, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I won't yeah. lie. It was a pain in the ass. It was a mother trucker getting those fucking casters off of there. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I spent the better part of a day getting those damn casters off of that thing <laughs> because the cart... With all of its contents, plus the big, heavy, beefy shop bot, I don't know, it probably weighs five, 600 pounds. So I had the old scissor jack out and 
Oh, it was it's like changing tires on I a car. I should have videoed yeah. it. I should have videoed it. You, it was you like, really should, because those are the challenges. I think a lot of people don't realize that you go yeah. through as a as a maker to yep. make your process work faster and yep. you know more efficient. And I'm doing that, you know, with my my process right here with the the. I've got two things going on all at all times in my workshop, and one is right. shipping. I, I'm doing a lot of oh, shipping. Man. I ship every day now. Um, I, I don't ship the big heavy stuff every day. I try to like split that up. Uh, but you know, when I invested all of this money in all of this steel, I started realizing like there's a whole bunch of people that probably have kits of the revolution that they never got the tube steel. So, um, you know, I want to make sure they know that I have it. Well, it didn't, I didn't advertise it more than, you know, 10 hours in and I had already sold like 20 kits. And I was just like, okay, all right. And, and my, meanwhile, like I don't have them broken in up into kits. They're just stacked in by size right now in my shop. Right. This is 40 pounds of steel. I know and in a flat rate box. That's in so a awesome. flat rate box. <laughs> and, and, and to make this even see, I don't feel so bad because Atlas knife and tool sent me an anvil in a flat rate in box. A, fucking flat rate. <laughs> a awesome. 70, 70 pound flat rate, 70 pounds yeah. of steel in a flat. Hey, their rate little box. anvils are nice. Man. Oh, they're freaking awesome. Yeah. I, you know what I yeah. use that little anvil for mostly now? I mean, I'll probably eventually make a stand for it and use it in knife making, but mm-hmm. I use it a lot for like leather work. Working, like when I need to like uh-huh. punch a hole or I need to like, I um, had a, it's great. It's I had a shitty Harbor Freight anvil. You know, that little, blue that's what one. I use primarily. Hey, yeah. that's what and, I'm on right now. I'm looking at doing an upgrade on my anvil because that little Harbor Freight I've hey, been pounding out knives on and it's just like completely wallowing out the center. So check yeah, out, tell me more um, about this anvil you've got. Check out make everything shop. Um, oh, he just, he's doing his he thing just, on it right now. He just posted a, uh, video on it wasn't Atlas Knife and Tool though it was some you know from the, Amazon no it's it, the Amazon Anvil which is the one I have so yeah. yeah I don't have the one from Harbor Freight but the one that I bought Brian um, is from from Amazon they have this in two different versions they have a 66 pound and they have 135 so he bought the 135 310 bucks yeah, 310 oh, bucks that's shipped. not bad for yeah yeah under three hundred, under three dollars a pound, and yeah. he. Uh, so I was him and I were. T- t- yeah, I messaged him last night on, on Instagram, and I just said it would be interesting for you to do a side by side comparison between yeah. that and the one that's underneath it because he has like that big uh, uh, right anvil or whatever it is under Peter Wright, yeah. Peter Wright anvil underneath it. So I was like why don't you forge something out on the 135 pounder from Amazon and then mm-hmm. also do the exact same project on your, on your, you know, legit anvil. Yeah. And let's see if they, they're the same. Cause that'll, you know, push people into it. I'm guessing that it will be the same result. That's right. what I'm guessing, but you never know. I'm sure there's a, there's a difference. That anvil, that Amazon anvil, I think uh, came, it was, sort of came into the community through um, Maker's Camp last year. And I don't remember the guy's name, but uh, it was the guy that brought all the equipment for like Fader and those guys to do demos on. And that's where Zep sort of got introduced to this Amazon Anvil. 
Um, oh, okay. Because that guy had a half a dozen of them or something, and he's like, hey, you know, 300, 300 bucks, you can't go freaking wrong. I, I think and then, they come out of China or India yeah. or somewhere, but yeah, no, then, I, uh, I love mine. I just, I painted mine black because I don't like the blue color yeah. they come in, so I just I spray mean, painted mine black. I did great. the exact same thing with my Harbor Freight. I did a video on yep. basically modifying it. Um, kind of rounding over the nose and all that type of oh, stuff. Oh, I but. saw that video, Brian. That's yeah. a good video. Yeah, I like that. Well, Zep's, Zep's uh, Chris Zepieri is make everything shop, but his, mm-hmm. his, his uh, so the, the reason he posts these things, and this is maybe a tip for folks aspiring to be content creators, you can also, in, in the truest sense of the word influencer, you can become an influencer to a point, um, Zep makes a pretty good amount of money on affiliate marketing. And so when he makes these kinds of videos and recommends, Hey, buy this anvil. And then you, you know, he's got the link. He's pretty, speaks pretty openly about it on their podcast, the handmade podcast. Um, but uh, it's a good way if you've got a decent following and you've got products that you know um, that you trust and that you believe in, it's a good way to, uh, sort of bolster uh, your your income to an extent if you can get enough people, you know, recommend that, enough that, people to a product. That's the key is that you have to, um, pardon me, I'm eating some beef jerky at the moment. You're but, good. <laughs> Jerk away. So, oh, I love, I love, I, man. Mm. Anyway, so that's the key though because here's the thing. If I recommend that anvil to somebody and it's a pile of shit. Yeah. That, that ruins my reputation. You're yeah, and, yeah, and same with Chris. He knows this. Yep. So he, he he's always saying, like, look, everything I recommend, I test myself, which is the reason why he had that anvil sitting on his other anvil because he bought it to use it. Mm-hmm. He'll run it through its paces, and then if it's junk, he'll tell you because, you know, he doesn't want his reputation ruined, and neither do I. But, I, I mean, I do the same thing, man. I recommend... Every time somebody asks me about a tool or there's a post on the Facebook group or whatever, I always use an affiliate link. It doesn't cost the end user, the buyer, anything. And I get a little kickback. And I'll tell you, it's a nice little supplemental income. You know, it, it really is. And if you do it, when you when you combine it between Facebook, Instagram, Instagram's hard because you can't really link anything. But yeah. if you do it between Facebook and YouTube, and, and also through like email and everything, I, you know, if somebody asks me like, Hey, what kind of wheels do you use? Or what kind of this do you use or whatever? I'll send them the affiliate links as long as I understand whatever I'm sending them that I would buy myself or I have purchased and I have used it because my reputation is super right. important. I would never, ever risk my reputation over to make, you know, make five bucks or something. It makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. And it's, it's. It's not easy. Well, I, I, it's so rare that someone asks me about a product, honestly, which is kind of, kind of interesting. You need to be the guy though. Well, and that's, what's weird. Cause like I test so much stuff, but but okay. I already know why I know the reason why Ben, because you test stuff, but it's always like in the background kind of true. Like you're not, you're not. You're not like doing marketer. like, uh, did you see the the reel or the the IGTV video that I did of the TR Maker knife vice? It was yeah. just like a minute and 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. That is, <clears throat> I did that because 
I make no money from those transactions, by the way. If you buy something from TR Maker, it's on. It, I don't yeah. see a dime of it. But I have a relationship with Ucell, and you know I believe in his product. So you know if he sends me something, I test it out. If I don't feel like that product stands, you know the true test of the house made industrial testing that I do, which is like yeah. real world testing, because right. you know a lot of times these companies will send me something, and the next day they'll go, well you didn't make a video on it, and I'm like, no, and I, I won't, didn't. not the next yeah. day. I need nope. to use it first. And then I want to, because I'm not going to recommend something to my audience. Just because you sent me a $50 device doesn't mean I'm going to like, you know, uh, push yeah. it to my audience or whatever. But the the, the thing is, is um, the, the concepts here are to, uh, for you anyway, is that you need to make sure that you say, I'm using the Rockler Square and this yeah. is why. You need to be more of a salesman. You're more of yeah. a quiet salesman. You're like doing the soft sell. You shouldn't True. do the soft self. You truly believe in a in a piece of gear from Rockwell. Fucking make an awesome video of you using it and how you use it and tag the shit out of them and do it and don't have any shame at all because yeah. there's some dude, when I do that, there's guys that come to me and go, "Thank you for making that video because it's changed even though they bought something, right. there was a transaction, whatever. It still helped them." And sure. they were like, "Dude, it's a game changer. You know, you helped me through this." Yeah. And I get that That's more often point. than not. You need to do that. Yeah. Sell yourself. I, I, yeah. I got that with the TR Maker bevel jig. I saw you made a video on that TR Maker bevel jig, and then I hit up Usel, and he had it to me in like three days. Oh, yeah. But yeah. It no, just, I, I, it's just I, how I, that works. I'll yep. have to yep. start doing that because there legitimately are things that I use and things that uh, I think would surprise people. You know, I don't. I I don't have the best tool set um, when it comes to like top of the line woodworking tools. You know, there's uh, Jason. Doesn't matter. Bent. You know, you Jason. Say stuff with that, though. Well, and that's my. Um, you I guess get those that's my middle... point is that it's a good thing. I don't want the best tool set. I don't yeah, want don't to be it. like chock full of Festool shit in here because. Uh oh. Uh oh. Somebody's air Alexa. compressor going off. Uh oh. Alexa, turn we off should... the air. <laughs> Thank oh you. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> mine went off last week. And here's here's what's really funny is mine went off last week and it's in my grind room, so it's a little bit muted, but I was like, oh shit. So I'm like yep. I ran, I didn't even mute myself. I ran over there and turned it off. When yep. I processed the audio for the podcast, somehow, and I don't know how it got like you can't hear it at all. Like you can't even hear, hear the it. damn thing. Yeah. I don't even yeah. know that I heard it when we were on the on the pod. To be honest, there must be some sort of suppression system that yeah. goes through our podcasting software that we use. But uh, anyway, well, get, let me let me give you a real quick. Let's hear your shop. Okay. Yeah, my shop experience for the week is pretty much just catching up on orders. It's totally boring. Uh, I I had to wrap up the Gyoto challenge. I did that. Got the video out before I went to Blade. And then here's what's interesting. I was on an airplane when the video went live, so I didn't, and I had Wi-Fi on the plane, so I could respond to comments and shit like that. But uh, uh, there, it, it was like I didn't have a ton of time to respond to people uh, because I was like, I got off an airplane, got my rental car, and literally drove to Cobb, had yeah. lunch, and walked in and was like hanging out with everybody yeah, like say, immediately. You were, you were posting like right away when you guys got there. It was, it was, yeah, it was well, because. My plan was to do all the social media, but then it got, you know, derailed by, slammed. you know, actual social 
you know, face to face conversation. Yeah. So um, so I did that. And then um, I've got trucks of steel coming in. So now I'm doing the steel process and I'm selling tube steel. So if you've bought the Revolution laser cut parts or the ultimate bundle, now the ultimate bundle comes with everything you need to build it except for the wheels, motor and VFD. So you just have to source those other three things. And at some point, um, you know, I might as well even just throw this out there. I am looking for a machine shop that's willing to start small with me on aluminum wheel sets with bearings. So if anybody out there knows of a machine shop that would be willing to work with me. The problem is, is that every machine shop I go to, they're like, sure, you know, but you'd have to buy 10,000 of each. And I can't just do that yet. So I need, you know, a machine shop to say, sure, let's make a thousand sets and then, you know, we'll, you know, go from there. But I haven't found, you know, most machine shops right now are super busy. So it's it's tough to get into. Somebody. So here's you my need question. a machine. Go ahead. So here's my question. I know TR Maker. I know we're keep pulling up his name, Usel, um, but I know he sells those aluminum wheels. So have you ever talked to him trying to get some sort of a shipment situation set up? Yeah, yeah I think with that many wheels, the cost to get them here would be really oh, restrictive. Tough, yeah. Yeah, because I need a lot of wheels. But you're right. So, maybe yeah, I, I should explore that. I, I should go to him and say, like, hey, if I buy, you know, this many. I really just yeah. want to be able to offer my own wheels to the, the, to the end user, yeah. you know, so they I'll don't be- have to source it everywhere else. I'll be spending some time uh, in PA this summer, and uh, the town St. Mary's that I grew up in. There's a there's a pretty high concentration of machine shops and uh, fab shops, and uh, sort of all catering to the powdered metal industry. Okay. That that used to be really big back there, uh, and now has started to diminish. You know, just with everything moving overseas and everything else. Um, and so I could I could definitely ask around if there's some machine shops up there. My father-in-law is pretty connected in all of that stuff. Um, yeah, that's what retired, we need. But, we need somebody yeah. like your father-in-law to be like a liaison where he would yeah. go, or, or just even a resource to say like, right. oh, you know who you should talk to is, you know, this shop because they have a CNC lathe. I mean, yep. we've already even got the, we've got the drawings already drawn up. You know, we've got the right. CAD work is done. You know, the bearings we can work that out, press the bearings yeah. in, whatever. You know, the the thing about starting a small industrial tooling company is that you, you know, just like any other business, you have to kind of like figure it out as you go. There's like no one that's going to go, oh hey, here's uh, you know uh, starting a tooling company 101, you know, book from the right. library. You can't exactly. check it out. You really just those, have to kind of go with it and figure it out. And on, those on machine the way. machine shop type connections, they're they're not easy to make. Frankly, you they're know, really not. They're standoffish you know people. They're a or, big standoffish yeah. bunch. I mean, it, yep. pretty much every shop that I've talked to, unless you're spending you know ten grand a month, they're not interested. You yeah. know, in your in your stuff because so, they yeah. traditionally, you know, to tool up for something like that is a pretty good sized effort. You know, I think about um, like my father-in-law's plant. They were their powdered metal plant, and so they have huge industrial presses. Right, you make a mold or a die, they call it, um, and then they might literally crank out five million pieces. You know, sure. Um, in sure. fact, he had um, on, I think, every one of his presses, and I don't remember how many presses they had, but it was 20 or more of these big-ass presses. 
they about five years ago outfitted them all with robotic arms and the reason for it is because you know he says frankly i cannot get people to work yep he's like i can't i big literally problem right now he's like i could grow probably twice as big if i could get people to piss in, to ooh, excuse me well, to piss well, in a cup yeah you know pass a drug test and then actually come to work every day the pr- my steel distributors have the same issue they were like telling me how with all the you know the stimulus stuff going on and you know the the yeah. covid and everything so they're having like trouble in employing people but also the other part of this is is people are getting smart now they're like why would i work in a steel mill right. when i can go work in an office and probably make more money and not like expose myself to harsh conditions yeah. uh so but getting back to you know uh, there, when I was standing in that room with uh, Ernest Emerson, he's a, he's a guy that started a small knife company, turned into a large knife company. He's got like a, an amazing resume. If you read about this guy, he's like he does SEAL Team Six training and uh, jujitsu. He's an older gentleman now; he's in his sixties, but he's I mean he's still very active and doing all these things. And he was talking about the journey to becoming the uncommon man. And when the uncommon man is basically separating yourself from the herd, and in and. <laughs> The reason why I think I like his rhetoric so much is because he kept repeating the phrase, you have to work for it. And oh, nice. It, and it blew his mind when I walked up to him at the end of his talk and I gave him a couple of work for it stickers. And I was like, dude, man, you should come on, you should come on my podcast. Speaking to your heart, man. Yeah, yeah. And, nice. uh, you know, he, he looked right at me. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, we were kind of chatting back and forth. And I said, the problem with – a majority of people is they think that success uh, is like, you know, these these gold chains and these diamond rings and the money and all that that comes along with it. But yeah. it's often very much disguised as really hard work. And it and it is. And that's it that's is. the key here. A lot of work and a lot of risk. And he's obviously somebody that's done it and lived through it and whatever else and wants to preach about the benefits of you know working your fingers to the bone to climb up and do something with your life or your time on earth which is totally 100 percent my rhetoric like i'm just like hey you want something you got to work for it let's do it together let's collab let's figure it out uh and uh so anyway getting back to what you're saying yeah it's hard to get people to do this these kinds of things and so machines will build these by the way if you have a if you have a cnc lathe you can turn these wheels uh you know one after another there's nothing complicated about them i wonder if we could cut them out on the shop bot you probably could but it would take so long i would imagine you know the these cnc lathes they'll cut you know apart every 30 seconds to a minute so you know the the amount that I would need on a regular basis was, would be, it's you know, a lot, a lot. So have yeah. you ever, does anybody make them out of a, I mean, aluminum's an obvious choice because of the, the, you know, heat up and all that stuff keeps its dimension and all that. But, um, does anybody make them out of like a, a Delarin or some kind of plastic or yeah. something like that? Yeah. There's or? nylon wheels out there and, yeah. and plastic, yes. but they just don't hold up. Yeah, right. they deform, and every time you, if you make the stupid decision to grind on that Delrin plastic or whatever plastic it is, you mm-hmm. you put that groove of where that heat was where your knife sure. touched. So okay, makes yeah. sense. Sounds yeah. like you're speaking from experience, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> from my one by thirty days. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, the one by thirty. Hey, uh, yeah. Also, speaking of 
of grinding and sanding and the like. Uh, I saw recently that our man Vander Sander has a new version out there. Yeah, he collabed yeah, with Richard too. Beck. Yeah, very that, cool. Really, kind of a cool evolution of yeah. his Vander Sander, which makes it in my opinion, makes it a much more usable tool. Yeah. Uh, it does all the same stuff. It's just Super now it's compact. a bench top. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a bench top system now. So Yeah, yeah. it looked like yeah. it was way more compact than what it was before. Yeah, and yeah. It, um, uh, the inc- incorporation of a, of a work rest as well, which I think is... Big addition. Kind of That's a, huge. A big, yeah, you gotta almost have to have that. and I yep. think I, I've got... Uh, I've got a note queued up to send to him actually, and uh, was gonna say, okay, now version three, what else can it do, right? Because <laughs> traditionally, you you see like Harbor Freight has one. Every every tool company out there has a belt and disc sander combo, right? Um, so you know you've got that big powerful motor there. It's just spinning a little shit and disc. Make it do something else as well, you know. Um, See, so I'm curious. really looking at picking one up specifically because when I upgraded from my v- to my VFD, I now have that motor just yeah. sitting there on a shelf ready to be used. Yeah. So I don't know if that would be good, like having a one-speed, um, well, you know, motor on know, a. I think it depends on what you're gonna tur- what you're gonna grind, right? Like I know with wood, like I've got a three-quarter horse, an old-ass motor here that I pulled off of a jointer. And it spins at like 3,400 ripples, which is yeah. too fast for wood. You know, yeah. it'll just burn wood. But I could add a pulley or, you know, add a wheel to it and cut that speed in half, no problem. So that's that's an option that you could employ hmm. is, you know, just add a, add a pulley, so to speak, or a wheel, so you know, that would reduce it. Uh, you know, or increase it either, or you could, I think that single more. phase motor is, uh, is makes an excellent boat anchor or doorstop yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> and you could very inexpensively move away from that to a three phase motor and get a lot more functionality and yeah. flexibility. You know, I, this, this is an argument people love to have with me on YouTube. And I just simply state in my videos now, I will not have this argument with you anymore. Like, right. This does not happen yeah. because there's so many people out there that have worked in the industry or they say they have. And they're like, you can most definitely speed yeah. control a single thing. Yes. I'm not saying no. you can't. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't, but you know what? I don't, I, it's not efficient and, and it burns up motors and it burns up controllers and I've done it. And, and who in this day and age, wants to move a goddamn pulley system belt anymore. Like I'm considering doing my mill, taking that single phase motor off of there and throwing like a three phase. And I mean, think about how much more efficient, like think about how much more utility I'll be able to get out of that mill. If I have a a variable speed control on how fast that end mill spins. I mean, crazy. Why do you think tool companies haven't, caught on to that Maybe oh they have but it's on, expensive but, i mean that yeah. that's the thing single phase motor simple i mean it's just yeah. a simple device and there's it's an on off switch whereas mm-hmm. with three phase and um a single phase to three phase conversion vfd you've yeah. now just increased uh the cost like 
home probably by yeah. the powertrain by double, I would imagine, something like that. So, uh, so yeah. if you guys will allow me to plug another podcast real quick, just to explain how much those pulley systems to switch the speeds suck, Jason <laughs> over at the Hustle and Grind podcast picked up a belt grinder with one of those pulley systems, had it oh, for geez. a couple weeks maybe, and has already decided to move up to the VFD. Oh, so, did he? Okay. Yeah. I saw him at Blade, by the way. And I, I oh, was yeah? on his podcast like right before. So I got, I was, I joined their podcast. And then, um, yeah, I ran into him at Blade. He gave me some awesome Osage Orange. He actually brought it uh, with him so he could hand it to me at the show. And then, um, but you're right. He was telling me that he got the KMG Classic, which is an excellent grinder. Uh, if you're going to buy any grinder, you know, go with the, one of these companies that's been around a long time. KMG, uh, Housemade, of course, you know, if, but if you yeah. want to, if you want to, you know, don't want to build it yourself kind of thing, you want it just delivered. Um, as of right now, you can't really do that with a Housemade product, product, but you can do it with Broadbeck and you can do it with uh, KMG. Mm-hmm. They, you know, but he, he was telling me he got a great deal on it because he got a single phase motor. I did not have the balls to tell him right. on the podcast, like, you're going to fucking hate that. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he figured it out You'll on his own. On your own podcast, <laughs> like, <though>. almost immediately. <laughs> I was just like, well, so, okay, well, it'll get, it'll get you there. It'll get you started. Yep. <laughs> you know? Have you but, ever thought, Brian, about... Um, have you ever thought about selling assembled kits? I have, yeah. And we're actually looking at that right now. Um, yeah. It, it's... So when you, like I said, there's no like roadmap for this stuff, but, right. um, the, the, our, our market space is really marketing to people who can't afford the pre-built grinders uh-huh. and they have to work for it and build their own, which yep. ultimately, uh, translates into dollar savings, uh, for them. Yeah. So, you know, that's where our market niche is. Here's what I've discovered. And, uh, I'm not bashing anybody in particular, but I got a chance to see a lot of grinders this weekend I bet. and the revolution is up there with up there, a lot right? of these ones that have been built for years. Uh, and, yeah. and in fact, I'm just going to come out and say it way more functionality than some of these designs that haven't been modified in 10, well, you've 15 iterated, years. iterated, man. Uh, yeah. Like I've said a, a dozen or more times, you you treat your grinder project like an open source software project, and you're, you're constantly improving it from your own brain and the collective brain of the community. And, All the and time. that That's alone, right. right? I mean, you complain about a grinder that you bought from – xyz tool company and your complaint is in the echo chamber you know it's that's right it goes absolutely fucking nowhere but you complain about a revolution grinder and in the next version it's fixed you know or or you get a tracking device with it now or you get this with it that with it now or you know it's just it's always improved people have ownership over this project yeah and it also yep. empowers them to, to learn new things. And then at the end, you have this like big, heavy industrial machine that you can build stuff yeah. and make money with. So, yeah, that and, and man, walking around. In fact, I was I won't mention any names, but uh, talking with someone who has a, a, a grinder from a larger, older grinder company. It's been around for a long time. Uh, and he was just like, you know what? I walked over to their booth and I gave him, you know, I gave him a list of the things they need to update. Because they mm-hmm. were just, it, I, this tool is not functional. It's not, it's not flexible yeah. enough to be in a certain way. Uh, I heard this from multiple makers while I was there, right. 
And and it wasn't just over that one grinder company. And again, I would never bash another company because right. why? I mean, it makes no yeah. sense. But what I'm saying is, is if you intend to be fat and lazy in this industry, you will get overtaken by someone yeah. else. Yep. And just like yep. any other business, if you sit idle for too long and you don't change much, you're going to run into a David and Goliath situation at some point, and you never yeah. know who that David is going to be. So it's you should, be. yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah. So I, I was empowered, you know, I, I was walking around and I was Good. getting the stink yeah. eye from people. Like they knew who I was. They're like, why are, <laughs> yeah. why are you in my booth? I'm sniffing around your engineering, my friend. I'd love to see right. it firsthand. <laughs> uh, but what it did was it gave me an indicator that I was doing all the right stuff. And that I think yeah. that we're moving into the proper, you know, getting to where I think we're going to have like housemade industrial is going to be a legitimate tooling company. And I just, it's, it's where I'm headed. So yeah, it's it's great, man. It's, it's just, it's so neat. It's, it's a really unique industry, I think in a lot of ways. Um, But your approach to it is so unique in that space that I would love to see it catch on. Right. I mean, we if you, you look at look at the sort of tooling industry, they're they're dinosaurs. Right. Like the, the companies that are in the space, whether it's woodworking tools or metalworking tools or whatever it is, they've been in that space since God was a boy. You know, like the, <laughs> there are there have not been a whole lot of new players. There has not been a whole lot of new competition. Hell, they're 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 still mass producing using some of the same exact castings and molds that they used 20, 30 years ago, you know, um, the, well, I the think hand they, tool oh, sorry, markets on. innovated, but the, the big machinery hasn't fucking changed in forever, you know? Well, I think what the thing is, is, um, once you get up as a big company, you get bigger and bigger and all of a sudden there's nothing to do but rest on your laurels yeah. and your laurels is quicksand. The The longer you rest on them, the further back you fall and the further down you sink. And there's always a thousand little guys like Brian House yep. and a bunch of different people like that that are right there to pick up that slack and be right there at the top. Yeah. I can't wait to see five years from now um, how many things are, are born out of COVID, right? Um, folks starting things or, you know, to some extent, Brian, your your efforts with Housemade, you know, this was arguably a, a pretty good growing year in, in some ways, right? And coming out of it, you, you start ramping up hardcore, and uh, I think there's going to be some changes in in the next five years, some pretty good sized uh, changes, which will be really I think cool. we're we're already seeing the changes take place, and I think a lot of it's yeah. positive. I uh, yeah. you know, it sucked to go through it. Um, yep. Hey, we went through it, right, everyone? I feel like, you know, uh, we should all be wearing, you know, I went through the pandemic T-shirt and all I got was this T-shirt, you know, whatever. See, I've never known anything but this because I sold my first knife as B-Cone Knives November 2019. Interesting. Okay. So So I have only been in the COVID era. Yeah. Well, this is baptism by fire, my friend. (laughs) That's what I've been hearing. 
I opened my first company in 2006, and then in 2007 and eight, we had the worst yep. financial economic depression this country's seen since the 30s. And I figured if I can go through that, I can go through anything, and I did. And now that gave me the cojones, you know, to do a bunch of other cool stuff. <laughs> so you know, think of it in terms of like, you know, you got you got a nice slap in the throat, and that's cool. But this, you know, hopefully moving forward, things get easier, you know, and that's the key. Always keep working towards the goal but then look back at where you started and then think Mm -hmm. man i've come a long way because you really have and the other big key is once things start getting easier don't let off the gas you got that right the minute you do the minute you slow down and stop somebody will overtake you have you have you guys ever seen the uh, the subreddit premature celebration yes talking about (laughs) my favorite my favorite is the the like the tour de france right they're you know they're bicyclists you know they're doing their thing and then that bicyclist he's racing up to the the finish line he takes his hands off of the handlebars to get the 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 photo right of of him with his hands up as he's crossing the finish line meanwhile what he doesn't know is that someone is right behind him and and as he lets off the pedals and lets his hands off the handlebar to get that photo, the other guy comes right around him and slams him yep. and beats him by a millisecond. And that's yep. it happens in ice skating, like speed skating. It happens yep. in uh, marathon running and everything else. Don't be the guy who prematurely so celebrates. True. Keep your head small and shrink it down and, and put your ego in your pocket and work hard every day. And at that, on that note... I'm going to call that a show, fellas. This was an excellent time. Brian Cohn joined in the Work For It crew. Hey, man, it's great. I love being here. I want to know from the audience what you thought about today's show. So if you would, please send us a DM at workforit.podcast on Instagram. You can reach me through my website, housemade.us. There's a contact form right there. You can shoot me a message directly. Or if you know me on Facebook and you find me there, you can do that too. I would love to have your feedback. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll be back live right here on the Work For It podcast. Gentlemen, it was an absolute pleasure to hang out with you in my workshop. I know you guys are going to keep working for it this week. Work hard. Go hard. Every day. Every day. Every hey, folks, let us know about uh, folks. Let us know if you would be interested in a work for it podcast build along slash challenge. I'd be curious on that, too. I think that needs to happen one way or the other. That just sounds like a great idea. Yeah, but let's build some excitement. Let us Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Uh, I'm into if it. If you're into it. I'm into it. I'm into it. All right, fellas. Reach we'll catch out. you on the flip side. All right. Check Absolutely. You out. Adios. See Goodbye. you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks Goodbye. again, guys. Fuck out of here. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Goodbye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.